Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and as always, former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And there's a lot to get through. The County Championship is back. We'll have a brief look back on all eight games and speak live to Nottinghamshire captain Stephen Mullaney after their remarkable win over Sussex. We'll also hear from Interim Director of Cricket at Yorkshire, Darren Goff, ahead of their first game of the season. And we'll also look back at a brilliant summer for South Africa. Finally, we'll discuss the news that Chris Silverwood has become Sri Lanka's new head coach. So, plenty to get through in the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Well, Harmi, there were 20 hundreds, 20 centuries mm. in the first round of the season. Um, so, it's no, no longer tough to bat in April and May like it used to be. No, it's not. It's uh, all these drainage systems that the ECB, rightly so, off the back of whether it's the England cricket team or our sponsorship partnerships, they've invested heavily into drainage systems, which were an absolute bane of my life when they came in from a fast bowler's point of view, because if it rained for more than th- two and a half hours at Chester Street, if you didn't play for a day and a half, it was brilliant. That was the best card player going. But what it does is it makes the pitches better. And I'm really pleased that we've we've had better surface, a better surface. And it shows, and this is the thing that annoys me because we had Paul Fabris on a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned pitches. He jumped down the throat and said, oh, we've got a good pitch. And what people are well, not sort of realising is we're not having a go at the grounds when we're talking about the pitches. We're having a go at the system, the amount of cricket that was being played on these pitches and not giving the groundsmen a chance to prepare them. The groundsmen in these eight games so far have had six months to prepare the best pitch possible for a game of cricket. And what's happened? It's been a very, very good surface for bats and the bowlers getting a few wickets. And we've had some good numbers playing you know, good cricket. Hopefully we'll get that next week. We'll get that the week after. And then as the more the different formats come into it, then that's when the pitches are going to be on the grounds when they're going to be underprepared or not, not prepared enough to prepare good pitches. So that is what I think a lot of us former cricketers are talking about when the surfaces. 20 hundreds, that's great. Some big scores, four or five scores of over 400 plus. Um, and we've also seen some 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 stuff which comedy element, I think we need to, to, to eradicate out of it because you know, the likes of Rory Burns and Alistair Cook, as good a batsman they are, they're not bowlers. Um, and it's that really little, little things like that can see why people jump on the bandwagon and say, right, 18 teams is too much. 12 teams is the one because we're, it sometimes gets farcical. And I think that was a little bit of a sign of, of what I've seen at the end of these dead games. 20 was the number of the of the week for me. There were 20 hundreds, but there were also 20 specialist bowlers who were either not playing for one reason or another, not just injury. 
And as you said, yeah, there were actually 20 specialist batsmen who had a bowl at the end of the game when it was drifting towards a draw. So um, one game that wasn't a draw, Hampshire recording a comprehensive victory over Somerset, who seemed to have been in decline, well, from midway through last season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a strange one to put your finger on what is, is happening at, at Somerset. Marcus Triscothic went, um, but he was around the dressing room. Um, James Hildreth's still hanging on. He's you know, a good age now. Tom Abel, good players. Lamanby, I like him. I think he's a... I mean, at Somerset, he's a good player. But it just seems that can't get off this, off this streak of, of losing. And even at the end of one season, going into the next season, if your mindset is negative and it isn't from a losing point of view, even though you haven't played for six months, you just got to have one bad day and the whole thing, the water comes back in again. And I think Jason Kerr, the the Somerset coach signed a two-year contract just before the season starts. So they're back in, Jason, and I know it's only one game, but he'll, he'll be wanting to, to stem the tide and and hopefully start being positive. And that might be the case of getting Overton back, and, you know, Leach back. So, yeah, there's two players there that could come back and help, but it's not really the bowling that was the problem. 180 all out and 135 all out is, is not great on a... On a, on a pitch which looked as though it was it was half decent. Yeah, well, I, Ad Burrell's a man I know very well, and he's obviously got a very good thing going at Hampshire, the the head coach there. Um, we have to rush through the results very quickly. I thoroughly enjoyed Warwickshire. Sorry, that was my feature game of the week. Warwickshire, mm. uh, sorry, of course, four hundred and twenty-eight for eight, and then Warwickshire were forty-one for four uh, in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> Made 531. And you know what my favourite thing is? Lower order yeah. runs. <laughs> partnership of 122 between the great OHD, Oliver Hannan Dolby, who, who took 60-odd balls to get off the mark um, and added 122. How about that? Michael Burgess, 178 from number eight, the highest score by a Warwickshire number eight. And he was on 67, I think, when, uh, when um, OHD joined him. So <laughs> quite incredible. It was, yeah. I've seen a few of his shots. He was he was certainly having a good time later on. I've I seen one of them top-edged it straight over to keep his head, which he just stood there. And I, it was hilarious. He didn't have a clue where it went. England watch on that one. Tom Sibley took the winter off, got himself in a position to change a few things. We heard Paul Fabris talk positively about him. Got an, a first bowler, reached top, the international-class bowler. Would have played a lot of test matches if his body was up to it. So... Watch this space on Dom Sibley. I think that's probably the best thing that could have happened to him. Having an early setback in his, and see what the mindset comes back. Because I don't think there's any question on his mindset. And it might be just a little bit of a reality check after getting 100 in pre-season that coming up against the top bowler, he might just have to sort of rethink a little bit, go again. So I still think Sibley's got a lot to offer and I still think he'll play for England again. Um, but having a long day in the field and then going out and getting that first ball must have been an absolute shocker for him. All right, Essex-Kent was a run-fest. Hundreds for uh, Nick Brown and Sir Alistair Cook. Matt Critchley's a man we spoke about pretty much every week last season. Yeah. He's moved to Essex, immediately paying dividends. And uh, Ben Compton and Jordan Cox replying with hundreds. Ben Compton, the lovely little story, the lengths to which players have to go to make uh, an impression. Ben Compton is a son of a, one of my best friends, um, Patrick Compton who's a cricket writer and journalist, semi-retired now. But uh, Ben was looking for some gainful employment in the winter. And uh, his father, Patrick, contacted me and I didn't make it happen. But I put him in touch with uh, a team, um, the Mountaineers in Zimbabwe. And so he's spent his winter playing cricket so far under the radar. They haven't even invented the radar up there. Um, <laughs> and, and he scored runs, you know. And he, I mean, it wasn't the highest standard of cricket, but it was, it was first class. He scored a couple of hundreds and he's just so, so determined. So uh, uh, it was fabulous to see him make runs. And uh, yeah, high scoring, high, high scoring draw. North Anson Gloucester was a bit of a thriller. Uh, that game finished, you know, with, uh, with 20 runs and two wickets needed uh, for a win uh, for either side. And another man that we spoke about a lot last year, Ryan Higgins, four for 68 yeah, and, uh, and 139. Higgins and Bracey last year for, for Gloucester were very, very good until Bracey gets picked for England. And then he, he had a little bit of a struggle, didn't he? And then Gloucester struggled. Um, but Higgins, 
his numbers are unbelievable every year. He just seems to get better and better, whether he, he gets 50, 60 wickets, he gets three or four hundreds and contributes lower order. Whether he's good enough to play for England, I, I'm not so sure. Is he quick enough for the ball? Does he warrant a place as a, as a batsman all round? The one thing you, you can't knock is the, the numbers that he puts on the table. So, yeah, good on him. Good on Gloucester. Another good start. And it was. It's one of them. I was watching that game and I was thinking, you know what? There are some times where you go, oh, we should just shake hands at lunchtime on day four. There's no chance of a result. These games like that, you think, just give them an extra hour. Just give them an extra hour. I know it's not in the game because you say a four-day game, last four days, that's how you go. But there are times, sometimes special circumstances, umpires just, just give them an extra hour, get a result because nobody wants to draw. They're both going for the game. And unfortunately, the that that's what petered out. But watch Matt Critchley at... Um, at Essex, it's a good move for him, I think, from Derbyshire to Essex. You know, four wickets and uh, yeah, and a hundred. He bowled forty-six overs, spinner, forty-six overs. Dan Lawrence bowled 20, 25 overs in Kent's five hundred and eighty. So, obviously, there was some purchase there for the spin. So, again, somebody that we talked about last year a hell of a lot and might just slip into our radar as opposed to you know just under it. Just going back quickly to Ryan Higgins, you said, you know, does he, is he good enough to play international cricket? Um, and he's not quick. Um, he picks up a lot of wickets um, and uh, he's not a flash batsman, but he, he's got this label, hasn't he? Um, not, hmm. not, not quick enough, uh, you know, a good county cricketer. Yeah. And it's how, how do you shake it? Is it, is it unfair? Do you, if he keeps putting the numbers on the table and keeps knocking at the door. Do you, eventually, do you say, "Well, let's see. Maybe, maybe we don't know." Absolutely, I think it is unfair. I think it's very unfair. It's very unfair what I've just said. But you, we know that the international game, when you go to that next level, and England have really struggled. That we're picking players who they're not sure of coming out of county cricket. Is it? Is it the right thing? The one thing I will say about it: if they're going into a side who's winning, or are going into a side that's yeah, full of confidence, players taking responsibility and doing their jobs. It's a lot easier to bring would be to bring somebody like Ryan Higgins into it. If you, it's a bit like the Joss Butler, right? We wanted to go and be like Adam Gilchrist. Adam Gilchrist wouldn't have survived if Australia were 120 for five every time. So I think one thing I will say about about Higgins, I think something similar was labelled at maybe Mark Elam just probably just before prior to my time. Mark Elam batted at number seven, number eight. And he was a very, very good bowler, very handy bowler, not quick by anything. He was late, mid, mid to late 70s. But international crickets took him to a next level. And that might happen to somebody like Ryan Higgins if he got a chance. So all he can do is put numbers on the board, puts numbers on the board and he gets a chance. The one thing that Mark Elam had in his time, he had a, he had a wicketkeeper batsman, Alex Stewart batting at number six. We balanced the side out brilliantly. Um, so it's one of them ones, you give him a chance, and your single swim, because at the minute, all options are available for the next director of cricket and England coach, because other than Joe Root, probably Ben's, Ben Stokes. But there's places to be had for that England team. In part two, we'll be joined by Nottinghamshire captain Stephen Mullaney. Um, on the back of a remarkable victory, <clears throat> Sussex having made 375 and Notts were 52 for four in reply. Apparently in trouble, but uh, the captain just happened to make a little 192 um, and added 144 for the eighth wicket with 20-year-old Joey Everson, who scored his maiden first-class 100, 109. Stephen, it wasn't, wasn't looking too good at one point, but it came good in the end. Yeah, it was. It was an amazing game of cricket, to be honest. It was a really good wicket. And we probably didn't bowl as well. You know, we set a high standard after after last season. We we had a really good season and we set high standards with the ball and with the bat, obviously. But I thought our bowlers last year were incredible. And we didn't really hit our straps on that first morning. So uh, we had to go, you know, have a couple of chats and, and go back to really simple plans about keeping the, the scoreboard dry for as long as possible. And we thought that if we could post a decent score after um, after they posted 375, that we could put a, a young and experienced uh, side under pressure, which would prove to be the case eventually. Stephen, how's pre-season sort of gone and leading into... You know, the season coming, there's a lot of talk about county pitch. There's a lot of talk about county cricket after the Ashes. You're a captain. How did you feel listening to idiots like me saying things like that um, when England weren't very good and you might have had a different opinion, especially when you talk about bowlers last year? 
you will come on to Stuart Broad in a minute, but you had Stuart Broad at your disposal. How did you feel in the winter listening to all that stuff? Yeah, I, I suppose it's hard for, you know, I've never played international cricket, so I've, I've never played on, I've, I played at a test ground, luckily. And I suppose that, that a lot of counties, that, well, definitely, we, we, we try and base a wicket around that the best team will win. Uh, we obviously try and prepare the wicket that we think, what we think we will be best for our, for our side, which we feel that we've, we want uh, pace and bounce in it. There's enough in it for the bowlers, but also that if the bowlers miss, that you've got a chance of scoring big runs. So uh, I can only obviously talk about how we go about it at Trent Bridge. England obviously had a disappointing winter. Um, we've had a couple of lads in our side with Hass and Brody who were on that, that Ashes tour uh, and speaking to them, uh, they were obviously disappointed, but I read an article, I think there was 20 centuries this this week in in, in the county championship. So, you know, that, that bodes well for the batsmen. Obviously, I think normally at this time of year, the first wicket, you've got a lot longer to prepare it for the groundsman. Uh, the wicket at home, we, had, we were lucky with weather. It was a bit windy and cold the first day, but the wicket was was an amazing one to bat on, I felt. And as I said, we were lucky enough that we could put some pressure on, on an inexperienced batting lineup. The two divisions, the where the results have gone for you, how you got into the second division. Yeah, off the, off the 2019 results as opposed to, I think, Durham or another one that felt probably feel aggrieved that not being in, in the top division. How have you sort of gone about that, just, just putting that disappointment to one side and how important is it for you to get back in the first division at a test ground? Yeah, well, firstly, it's, it's you know, we've, we've set our goals out to win division two and get back into division one. I think the best thing about us now, it took us a few years, we didn't win a game for, for nearly three years. So the best thing what what I can say about our squad now is we just kind of get on with whatever's thrown in front of us. It was obviously disappointing to not be in Division One, uh, but at the same time, if we're that good and we we feel we're good enough, we will win this division. So it's all going to be proof in the pudding. So we'll find out how good we are over the next six months. Stephen, can I ask you to tell us a little bit about Joey Everson? I mentioned his uh, maiden first class hundred, only twenty years old, but also Liam Patterson White. He's bowled over eighty overs in the game for his eight wickets. I mean, that's um, early season workload. Yeah, I was actually speaking to Ben Duckett, and he said if you'd have had a bet on Liam Patterson White firstly taking the first wicket, the first five, and then him hitting the first six, I think you'd have made a lot of money at the bookies. <laughs> you know, myself and Pete Moores a couple of years ago, we had we had a good chat about where we wanted to take the side and, and over a five or six, seven year period, and and one of the things we wanted to do was bring through youngsters now it's easy saying it but they have to be obviously good enough to to do the work uh, and Joey Liam and Lyndon James who who have all come through have, have done a fantastic job over the last couple of years um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to sign the right people if it comes along hence the signing of Duckett and Clark etc and Hasib but them three in particular I think have proven that Knotts is Knotts has got a great pathway Joey has you know at the age of 20 got a five for under under 100 uh, Liam the same, and, and Lyndon's still waiting their milestones, but has been a massive player for us in the last two seasons. He's, you know, he's got a real calm head. He was also there at the crease at fifty odd four, uh, and he's been there, you know, plenty of times when we've lost early wickets. And he's a real calm influence for a young, a young lad. He's got a real, you know, an older head on young shoulders. And um, Joe Clark's hopes of playing for England. Oh, and by the way, Summit Patel just uh, signed another year contract. It's going to be another Darren Stevens, isn't he? <laughs> well, it gives me hope because I'm getting towards that age. So um, if he keeps signing, then hopefully I can go to Mick and get another contract. Uh, yeah, it's obviously great news for the club. I think he was just on about Joe. I think he was, uh, you know, we've spoken to him in the winter about the West Indies tour. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he, he's proven playing for Melbourne Stars how good he is. Yeah, for me, I, I don't think, I think it's a matter of uh, of when, not if, it, when he plays for England. And I think he'll do a great job in, in all three formats. And I think he's been very vocal at saying, that he, he wants to play all three formats for England, and I definitely believe he's a player who will do that. And one that has played for England many, many times, and you knew where the question was coming, my old mate, Stuart. One, has he calmed down yet? Two, <laughs> what happened to him? Was was he not allowed to play last week? And I'm sure he'll be chomping at the bit to get going when he does play. Yeah, he's been really good, actually. He's been around the group uh, a few times. He was there at Press Day in the Snow a couple of weeks ago, and he, he's been in this week having a ball. He's Obviously, he was disappointed, uh, as I'm sure James was, and it was a lot of it made in the media. But yeah, I think when he's ready, you know, he had a bit of time. I, I think what people obviously don't realise is that they think he's just ready to play straight away, whereas he had a bit of time, obviously, to digest what had happened. So his bowling workloads weren't weren't where they, they uh, need to be to play cricket at the minute. But um, he's 
very much well and truly in in with us and I'm sure that you'll see him in a not shirt in the next few weeks maybe up at your place next week with a bit of luck <laughs> what about what about who makes that decision because you, you obviously you're in involved with Peter picking that team England yeah. have got no director of cricket they've got no coach you know Sandra Strauss has left in this is the Jimmy as well were you surprised because I know how close you are to Jimmy because you grew up with it um, but who makes that decision who tells you Steve Mullen you're captain of knots that you're allowed Stuart Broad, you're not allowed Stuart Broad because from a hierarchy point of view in ECB, there doesn't seem to need to be there at the minute. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, he's, he's contracted by the ECB. So his, his employer is the ECB. So, and it might sound like I'm dodging the question a little bit, but, you know, I will get, a, I will get a, an availability on, on the players that are available to play the game. And that might be 12, 13, 14 players. And then I will go in and speak to Peter and select that, what we believe is the best 11 for that particular game. So until until that conversation comes to me and, and says Stuart's available, which he will be playing, obviously, when he's available for us, for me, there's no point in worrying about it. You know, I've played for a decent amount of time now and I've, I've been in that situation where you look too far ahead uh, and then things go past you too quickly. And hence the reason that we lost a lot of games, I think, looking too far ahead. So as of now, he's not available this week, I don't think. So he won't be playing this game against Glamorgan. But I'm hoping that it won't be too distant that he'll be available, hopefully, against Durham next week. And then um, I think we play Worcester the week after. Finally, we haven't asked you about your own innings. I mentioned uh, 192. Does that come <laughs> as a bit of a shock that early in the year? Uh, well, it's not not been good enough to make the team of the week, I believe. So people keep telling me. So I might have to get to <laughs> make the team of the week. Look, I, I've, I knew it was a good wicket after after we bowled on it. Um, you know, I've worked quite hard this winter with the, with the psychologist, not just on... Uh, batting, but on leadership, on on my role within the team, and and one of the things that we we came down to was sort of realizing the situations sometimes, and and when to ca- you know you want to try and cash in all the time, but it was I, I just obviously I was gutted not to get two hundred, but at the same time obviously made up to get one hundred and ninety two, and it was one of them them situations where I thought I'm only probably going to get myself out, so I might as well have the first class runs rather than give them to somebody else. And uh, you've got your finger on the pulse of the game. Does it irritate you at all that when England don't do well, uh, there are too many people who are quick to blame the county game? And uh, I mean, do you you know, you've been such a consistent performer for, for so many years. You see the, the quality. I mean, is county cricket to blame for England's fortunes? <laughs> I'd like to think not. I don't think so. I think the players who have been picked have, have done it for a long time in county cricket. So I, I I don't think so. I think if you if you look when when the players who have been picked or have been on tours come back, I think they're most of the standout players in the county game. So I have no qualms with obviously if it, if you're asking my opinion personally, I would have definitely picked Stuart and Jimmy, but I'm not privy to conversations that go behind on behind closed doors. So in answer to your question, I don't think it's to blame. No, and I think that you know England will will be back at at some point back at the top of of Test cricket. I'm convinced about that. Well, great start to the campaign. We look forward to uh, promotion sooner rather than later. Get back into that Division 1, Stephen Mullaney. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Nottinghamshire captain Stephen Mullaney after a convincing victory against uh, the young uh, a young Sussex team. Right, um, Harmy, Ben Stokes is uh, out of action for a month um, after his heavy bowling workload in the Caribbean. And, well, you've, you've touched on it. Jimmy Anderson also having his workload managed, having had a winter off. So um, there's some mixed messages coming from the ECB there. Yeah, that's why I asked a, a county captain if he has any idea who's making these decisions because Jimmy, what has Jimmy said? He said he's, he's sort of trying to get his head around what happened um, in the non-selection. Stuart was very vocal at the time um, and he's gone, obviously he's gone back in his in his box to try and get himself ready for, for knots. Um, they'll come out firing. I've got no doubt about it. They'll get wickets, but it'll not be about getting wickets. It's just getting themselves get ready for that first test match. And if they're they're picked and selected, I'm sure they'll, they'll be ready for it. And it'll be not water under the bridge, but I want to know who's making the decision. I really do. Who is telling Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, that they'll play four, five first-class matches before that first test match? Are they going to be around for that first test match? Is it Mo Bobat? He seems to be higher the, the, the performance guy. He seems to be the only one that's left. It just, it just baffles me what's happening with Broad and Anderson. I think it's sad at this minute in time that two of our the greatest cricketers that's ever played the game 
are saying what they're saying and all they're doing is telling the truth. And I think from an England fan as I am, it's sad to see what's happened to the greatest cricketers that we've ever produced in the last three months. It really is. is. So was, was fingers, crossed, fingers crossed they're available for the start of the summer and they, set, they are back in the fold of international cricket. Yeah, uh, it was sad to hear Jimmy say that he would have liked a, a sit-down, face-to-face conversation rather than five minutes on the telephone. And, and mm. hopefully there is more of that. Whoever takes over uh, introduces uh, a little bit more communication and empathy. Right, you're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the one and only Steve Harmison. Next up in part three, we'll look back at some of the other Division 2 matches. Alex Lees is in the runs, and it was an impressive outing for the son of a former England captain. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available, as always, via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, carrying on with uh, round two of the county championship. Alex Lees carried his bat with an unbeaten 182 off 358 balls for Durham as they drew with uh, Glamorgan in Cardiff. You were keeping an eye out on that. And also news regarding Durham head coach James Franklin, Harmy. Yeah, there was obviously a story with, I think it was Juvenda Trehal. He, um, in, was it 2011? Was it a bullying allegation? I think something that, I'm sure they'll, the right messages will be sent. Um, but from a, a Durham on the pitch point of view, it was a, a great start for Alex Lees. What he needed, I thought he did really well in the winter. I did. I really thought he he was just that one score away from coming back, not cementing and saying, right, this place is mine. But I thought I felt for him in the last game in, in Grenada, the one that sort of ran along the deck when England were in all sorts of trouble. I thought he was resolute in defence. And it took some yeah, you know, one that he was never going to be able to hit to get him out, and he's he's come back. and I spoke to him just before he left Grenada, and and he was all he was talking about was getting getting runs under his belt, and he looked in good order. I watched a little bit of it 
he's batting outside of stump again, which I don't like, but hey, I'm not going to complain. He got 180. So, hey, who knows about batting? Somebody that batted at number 10 or somebody that opens the bat and does well. So I'm pleased for Lee's. Um, and it was a good game. Um, Durham did very, very well. Another sort of Beddingham getting off to a good start. Carlson again, we've talked about last year a lot. Yeah. Kieran Carlson got, got a half century along with Cook. And Durham had a chance. Clamorgan were 80 behind, four wickets down on first innings. And Cook and Carlson, 92 partnership, saved the game for, for Glamorgan. And it was you would have thought it was at Durham and not at Cardiff when the hailstones came down and the pitch looked white and, and the covers came off. It was a, it was a pretty picture. And uh, unfortunately for Durham, they didn't, didn't quite get over the line. But a good start from an England opening batsman who will need a mountain of runs before that first test. Okay, the, what caught my eye um, in the uh, draw between Worcestershire and Leicestershire is Ed Pollock uh, moving, being told he wasn't part of Warwickshire's red ball plans, moving down the M5 to Worcester mm. and immediately scoring 112. Leicestershire, of course, hung on uh, by a wicket to draw the game, finishing on 218 for nine. So, thrilling finish. And we've um, always got to be careful about being disparaging about Leicestershire. But, you know, they've avoided defeat in the first round. That have, yeah, and Young Hill again. Somebody was spoke about a lot at the start of last season, the Hill, got off to a good start, 93. But for me, I agree, Ed Pollock, it's a, it's a great start for the boy. It really is. Um, and I always like that when somebody goes, you know what, I'm not going to sit here in a big county where my career might just stand still for three, two, three years and get a bit of a, a bit of a period here. I'll go somewhere else and I'm going to prove that I'm a player. And, Ed Pollock's done that, so good on him and good start for him. But the story of that one was 280 balls, opening batsman, as our 104 not out, to hang on, carry his bat all the way through and not give the victory to, to Worcestershire. And that would be good for Paul Nixon and the Leicester lads' confidence going into the next round of games that they didn't, didn't lose the first match. And more runs for the run machine, Jake Libby, over 100 in the game. Middlesex and Derbyshire at um, Lords was a good one. Josh DeCarey's scoring 80 in just his second first-class game. Son of Michael Atherton, took his mother's name. Um, I remember speaking to, to others about this uh, some years ago. He said it's not nothing to do with trying to protect him. Because, you know, if he makes it, then uh, people will know soon enough that he's my son. <laughs> but it, it just it was just to sort of, you know, smooth the way when he was a youngster in, in his sort of early teens. You know, he didn't he just didn't he thought it would be sensible for the spotlight not to be shone on him too early. And I think it worked. It has worked. I think it has worked very well. I spent a bit of time with Ath in the, in the, in, in the West Indies, obviously, he was covering it for for the newspaper, but he was also covering it for, for Talk Sport as well. We had him on and he was talking about how Josh's pre-season's gone and when you hit the ground running like he has done, it's, it's great and it's great to see. He's a spitting double of his dad, I must admit. There's no <laughs> getting away, no matter what. No matter what surname you take, Josh, you, you're definitely your father's son. Um, but it looks as though he's got a few more shots than his old man as well. So the run rate was slightly better, but no, brilliant. It's great to see and it's, it's good to see when somebody who has got loads of pressure on him. And no matter what he does, he's got pressure on him because, you know, joking aside, Michael Atherton was one of the best opening batsmen that England's ever had. Captained his country for a long time um, and a, a good ambassador in the game. Um, so Josh will always be under pressure no matter what name he takes. And he's getting off to a good start, which is pleasing to see. And as far as overseas signings go, Sean Massoud has made a very good start, 91 and 62. Uh, what about Ian Bell joining Derbyshire as uh, their batting coach or, or batting consultant? I yeah, was wondering I was... whether it was because, yeah, is Mickey Arthur the sort of um, star attraction as head coach? <laughs> is he persuading people to join? It might be. It might be. And, you know, we talked about that last year in the winter manners when we talked about what, what a great coup it is for English cricket to get calibre of coaches like Nicky Arthur and Otis Gibson, international coaches to come and coach in first-class cricket. And I'm sure Belly's thought of that. That would be a good good person to work with. Um, Grant Flower normally works with Mickey Arthur, but he's gone obviously going out to Sussex. Um, I know Goffey was quite keen to speak to Belly about going up to Yorkshire, but maybe it's just a travel in the distance. Didn't suit Ian and he turned 40 the other day. I've seen his birthday party pictures. Um, he had a bottle of champagne, which actually looked heavier than him. <laughs> um, but it, it's great. It's great to see 
And how good is it? Really is. How good is it? Young Derbyshire cricketers are going to be coached by one of the best technical batsmen that we've ever produced. Because that cover drive of Ian Bell, that doesn't get any better than that. I know we can't play it for them, but hopefully you can teach them because he was a he was a player, was Belly. He was a proper player. You don't win the Ashes five times if you're not a very, very good player. He didn't, he didn't, he went under the radar a little bit because obviously the the star attractions of the likes of Peterson and, and Cook and Strauss and, and a few others that were in leadership roles. But Belly was a, an unbelievable, unbelievable batsman with a great technique. And if you can pass, what, 50% of it on, you know, Derbyshire, a batsman will benefit. OK, um, Yorkshire and Lancashire begin their campaigns on Thursday. Let's hear from Goffey ahead of their first game. There's still obviously going to be um, news. Uh, Yorkshire's a very newsworthy club at this moment in time and there's stories all the time. Some of them are right, some of them are wrong. Uh, but I think what we want to do, it's going to take time to change everything. We need to rebuild everything that is Yorkshire County Cricket Club and that is the culture. Um, we want to make it a more inclusive place for everyone to be able to come, no matter what background you're from, rich, poor or whatever nationality you are to come and have the opportunity to come and play for Yorkshire the biggest county it's got to be inclusive for everyone and we've got to create opportunities we are trying our best never to forget what happened because what happened uh, to Azim uh, wasn't right and I think the club was straight away came out and admitted they handled the whole situation badly I think that's quite obvious to everyone but it's now about trying to take the club in a new direction it's a once in a generation opportunity, Mark, to provide the model cricket club for everyone who's watching, every other cricket club. We can be forward thinking in this. And every other cricket club we're opening in five, six years' time can look at Yorkshire and say, that's the way we want to do it. Yorkshire's a, a, a huge name. You just called it the, the biggest cricket club in the world. It um, is. Messrs. Smith, Hutton, Graves, Lord Patel. There's a lot of noise out there. Is that... A good thing or a bad thing? Well, Yorkshire needs to get... It's been on uh, the front pages of national newspapers the last year for the wrong reasons, right? What we need to do is turn it around and get it on the front pages for the right reasons. Now, I cannot wait as the director of cricket or MD of cricket for the season to start. The players cannot wait for the season to start. They have worked their socks off. From the moment I walked in and the way they were feeling, I I didn't think we were going to have a team come the start of the season. But they have been outstanding. I cannot thank them enough for the effort they've put in and the way they've come together in the last three months. And that's been with the help of the interim coaches. And now the new coaches are in place. So everything's come into place, perfect timing, for Yorkshire to have a successful season on the pitch. And let's, so I, I just cannot wait for it to start now and get rid of all that noise that's going on. That's Darren Goff, Yorkshire's interim director of cricket. And quickly, Harmy, what uh, fixtures have caught your eye to look out for on Thursday? Obviously, I'm looking forward to seeing how Yorkshire start. Everything that they've had, you know, the turmoil they've had through, throughout the winter, having been in there myself and seeing how you know, things were um, and looking forward to seeing how Otis gets sort of driving the, you know, the players forward and, and, and get going. You've got an extra week's preparation. It'll be a tough game, that. It'll be a really tough game for Yorkshire down at, um, down at Bristol. They go down to they get out of Bristol, and you know we, we've talked about them earlier. The likes of Brace, he's got 100 Higgins runs and wickets, so that'll be a very very tough game for Yorkshire. One, I would imagine, Goffey will be and Otis will be will be relishing because they'll never get away from the stuff that happened in the winter. But once they start playing, the players' minds are on obviously on on focused on performance rather than you know the stuff in the front front ends of newspapers. Again, you look at. Lancashire coming back. No, Anderson, I don't think, going down to Kent. They'll get themselves get themselves going. Kent was in a pretty high-scoring game against Essex, so that one stands out. Durham have got, Durham have got Leicestershire, the one I'll, I'll probably pop along to at some point during that, that four days and, and seeing what, what happens there. Um, but I think, for me, the one that stands out is all eyes will be on Bristol and it'll be on how Yorkshire starts everything that's been thrown at them over the course of the last six months. So, you know, they'll be wanting to hit the ground running.
Okay, I've um, got my eye on Essex travelling to Taunton to play Somerset, and we'll have more on that in part four. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. All right, South Africa completed a 2-0 series win over Bangladesh. There was much talk about losing their five IPL players who chose not to play in the Test Series and uh, didn't want to miss the first fortnight of the IPL. But as Captain Dean Elgar says, said afterwards... Very, very pleased with the progress of the side. Not a lot of people would have given us those kind of stats at uh, the start of the season, but um, it's great to have those numbers on our side. Um, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that went, in, went into this. It didn't just happen by fluke. Yeah, well, We've had an extremely successful summer, I think, as not just a test side, but a cricketing nation. I think we're on the right path doing things in the correct way from a, from a um, team point of view. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things for us to build on. Extremely proud of the, the test summer we've had um, and, and also the depth that we've shown with, with regards to our selection pool and giving guys opportunity just so that they can um, kind of see what test cricket's all about. So, yeah, extremely proud of the group of players that, that we've fielded over the last few months. Um, yeah, and a lot of, lot of positives going forward for, for us to grow. That's South African captain Dean Elgar after... Uh... Comprehensive victories by 220 runs and 332 runs against Bangladesh. They are now firmly entrenched in second place on the World Test Championship. And if they manage to beat England or at least share the points, then uh, they'll be looking really good for a place in the second edition of the World Test Championship final. Mixed emotions for head coach Mark Boucher. This is what he said afterwards. I've really enjoyed coaching the guys. Um, You know, the cricketing side of things... uh, We've got a very tight unit together um, and I've really enjoyed being around the guys and and seeing their developments um, in their cricket. Outside that, quite difficult for me to say I've enjoyed it. Uh, That's just being honest. I don't think anyone in my situation can can enjoy uh, what's been put on my plate, but I've enjoyed the cricket side of things and I'll leave it at that. That's head coach Mark Boucher, who um, has basically been silenced for, for much of the South African summer. Um, but you got a fairly decent taste of uh, exactly how he's feeling about life um, at the moment. It was a remarkable series in so many ways, with uh, Keshav Maharaj and Simon Harmer taking 29 of the 40 wickets. First time in South African Test history, they've played two specialist spinners in two consecutive Test matches at home. Yeah, Maharaj 15 wickets at 12, Harmer 13 wickets at 15, Quite extraordinary for them. And um, I mentioned just the back of, uh, of part three, Harmer is aiming to, to be in Taunton to play for Essex on Thursday. So he's got a, like basically a 24-hour turnaround. Fly overnight, change your kit, get in the car, drive down to Taunton. Happy days. It's somebody who wants to play cricket and he wants to, to play for, for Essex. He seems as though he's, he's enjoyed the, the stuff I've seen. Looks as though he's enjoyed back in the Protea shirt. But he also has got such an affiliation with Essex for giving him the chance to get himself back into reckoning with South Africa. So he feels as though there's a loyalty to them. It was like, I remember not long ago, Alzari Joseph came back from India, the one days, and went and played a first-class match to get himself ready for the Test Series, literally 24 hours later. So characters like that, you want them to, you want them to do well. Um, it's been a fascinating series watching it from afar, man, as you commentate and on it. They've got a chance against England, haven't they? But who do they bring? Actually, really interesting. Um, Simon Harmer was interviewed after the game and uh, he pleaded his case uh, for South Africa to keep playing two spinners because uh, Elgar said that Maharaj was uh, his number one spinner. But uh, Harmer said, you know, uh, he, <laughs> he was saying, I've, I've been playing there for, for five or six years. You know, all three of the venues turn. I, I think it's a really good idea if we carry on playing two spinners. But it's going to be tough, that, because Rabada will definitely come back. Elgar also said that, you know, that the IPL players shouldn't expect to walk straight back into the test team. Rabada will, though. Um, he's yeah, obviously world, world class. But they've got the left-arm seamer, Marco Janssen, Lungi and Gidi. Uh, the one player I think is under pressure is Rassi Fonadusson in the middle order because Ryan Rickleton came in and looked really good. But you just don't know with South Africa and, and Boucher's position, you know, he's due to have this disciplinary hearing after uh, allegations of um, of bias and, and racism. Um, one of the 
richest men in the world, let alone uh, just South Africa. Johan Rupert has promised to bankroll Boucher's defence. He's absolutely yeah. adamant, as is Boucher, that you know that he is completely um, uh, not guilty. Um, so, I mean, he, he sounded he sounded and looked pretty despondent. You know, he's enjoyed uh, the coaching side of it, but everything else is uh, just wearing him down. Yeah, I mean, you, you, Dean Elgar's a, a remarkable character. He's 35 years old now. He's got three half centuries in the series. He reckons his best years are ahead of him. But he's he's really, really playing the tough guy. You know, he's sort of grabbing everybody by the collar and giving them a good shake and, and um, really, really being the sort of the tough guy, putting himself out there. <clears throat> Reminds me of Graham Smith, actually. Uh, when, you know, the very beginning of, of his career, South Africa were also in the doldrums when Smith took over. And Elga is, you know, trying to emulate that. And although it might be a bit short term, um, it's working at the moment. It is. And it's something that England could take, possibly take note of as well, that short term fixes do have positive outcomes. And then you build from that. I've known Mark Batcher for a lot of years and don't really want to get into the other side of it because I don't understand the other side of it. It's not my position to do so. He's done a fantastic job, if we're talking about coaching and, and isolation, to get the team going and galvanised. Um, if he does come, then I think he gives England he gives England more of a game because then all of a sudden the players that come with him, they're all on the wavelength of, you know, the, of, of going forward, which has been positive under Elgar. I agree, Elgar looks a, a sturdier character that Graham Smith had when and I played against him. I just wonder if if a coaching unit goes to Simon Harmer, right, we're going to pick you in the squad, but you're going to play for Essex. And then on the morning of the game, if something happens to Maharaj, or they were going to play two spinners leading into one, we'll bring him straight back in. So that would be interesting to see if, one, ECB would let him do that, and two, would the coaching staff of South Africa be that flexible and say, which I think would be a no-brainer for me, and just turns around and say, right, you're in the squad, but he's our number one spinner. We're not going to stop you from playing for Essex, but at a moment's notice, we'll pick you if we need to pick you. Exactly. That's exactly right. Hit the nail on the head, because uh, the days of South Africa being able to demand or command or even afford national loyalty um, exclusively are over. They are gone. Mm. They, they, it's just uh, absolutely finished. And, you know, and that's exactly what should happen with uh, Simon Harmer. Play for Essex. Um, and if we need your opinion on a pitch, we might we might just drive you out and see whether it is going to be worth playing <laughs> yeah. two spinners. Uh, just a lot of people... Manners, I can guarantee you'll say, it's going to spin. Yeah, <laughs> of course he will. Of course he will. I just want to say, um, I, you know, I think a lot of people will be listening and wondering what exactly Mark Boucher is accused of. But there was a, a team song, one of the team songs that was sung while Boucher was uh, fines master, which made a disparaging reference to Paul Adams, the, uh, you know, remember the left arm wrist spinner uh, along racial lines. Because Boucher's name was mentioned at the social justice and nation building hearings, like a truth and reconciliation hearings that were held um, several months ago, he was charged. Um, now, obviously, there was a, a dressing room full, full of people, but he is the one that has, has been charged. And so... It, I don't want to preempt the findings, but I think it's going to be very, very difficult um, to single him out uh, of uh, of an entire dressing room. Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, I have a feeling, however, that some kind of deal will be struck. We'll see him walk away before his contract ends uh, officially at the 2023 World Cup. Just some other news quickly. Neutral umpires returning to test cricket. Uh, although not the, the white ball formats. And we, we should talk about Chris Silverwood as well, being named as, as head coach of Sri Lanka. Uh, that's uh, fascinating. I'm biased because I love the country so much, but I just got a feeling that Chris Silverwood, people say, well, what about the politics of Sri Lankan cricket? <laughs> well, what about the politics of English cricket? I think he'll thrive with somebody else's politics. I was just I was just about to say, I think you'll be a welcome respite from all the nonsense that you had to... Pick a red ball team while the white ball was game was on. Pick a white ball team while the Ashes game was on. Pick a World Cup side when everybody was playing badly. Um, when it comes to the red ball team, I think Spoons will be over the moon with that, to be honest. 
at least he's got a smaller bunch of players to pick from and he can hopefully galvanise a group like Mickey Arthur did. I'm sure that conversation will be had, Mickey Arthur and Chris Silverwood. Um, and going forward, uh, and I'm over the moon to see him back in coaching. I'd like to have seen him back in English cricket. I really would. I'd like to have seen him back in a county. But I think that will happen um, very, very soon, I would have thought, in the next, you know, his next job after Sri Lanka, I'm sure, will be back in English cricket in a county. I thought him and Ashley Giles got not a raw end of the deal because I think they made a lot of the mistakes that they did make were self-inflicted. But the deal with COVID and the way that they dealt with it, they tried to show some empathy towards the players, give the players you know, some time to understand what was happening outside the bubbles. And unfortunately, the players didn't play for them. But it's nice to see him back. Mutual umpires, I'm over the moon because I know that'll be about you, manners, but I'm having a go at the two West Indian umpires that officiated in the middle because they weren't up to international standard. And by the looks of it, I didn't see a great deal of it, but the ones in South Africa didn't look great either. So I think until we get the neutral umpires, it's not because we're not wanting them to, they're not biased. They're not biased. They're just not good enough. We need to have the best 10 umpires officiate in test match cricket around the world and just stick with them because now the, 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 well, they're the best because of the best. Then we we need to go back to that. Um, the sooner the better for me because we're getting too many decisions wrong. Good stuff. Thanks, Harmy. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And uh, if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back at the same time next week to look back at round two of the county championship. But for now, this has been the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.